Hey, it's Looney. Welcome to the JT and Looney podcast, episode 55. Before I hit the record button and dial up JT, I want to thank our sponsor, Bet Online. Isn't it cool? We've got a sponsor for the JT Looney podcast. The NFL season is about midway. I know you can't go to the games, but you can bet on them at Bet Online. Our great sponsor, go to Bet Online AG. Uh, from game spreads and totals to uh, team, player, and coaching props. The props are really cool. And there's a lot of props that you can't get in Vegas. Vegas is really snooty about what props they put up. Very conservative about what props they put up. Bet online, very liberal about the props. They have a lot of fun props and give you more options to wager than any other place online. They're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just like 7-Eleven, but you can't get a Slurpee. But you can bet on sports at betonline.ag. Take advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. If you haven't signed up yet, go to betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, if I could only find that record button. Okay, let me see. Looks like JT's up there on my Zoom. Okay. I think it's the red one. Record is usually the red one, right? Hey, hey. Hey, how are you? Good. You can can hear me. me. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, Yeah. I can hear you. I was having trouble earlier, and I wasn't hearing me. I am recording. And so hopefully we'll be okay. Let me get some of my charts and graphs up. All units in the vicinity. Officer needs help. 9226 Van Arden. Shots fired. 1 Adam 12. Handle code 3. 1 Adam 12. Roger. I was impressed to see you dress up like a police officer. What was that all about? <laughs> oh, my you, God. Oh, my God. What was I saw a leaked photo. I hope we can get it here in our podcast notes for everybody to see at the JT and Looney <clears throat> podcast. What was going on? You look like one hell of a tough, buttoned-up cop. It was a lot of fun. I, uh, I, I played a police officer in a rap video. It's an up-and-coming rapper named Most Wanted. And it was one of the most fun. I've had some fun acting jobs over the years, usually playing sports casters because my agent has no imagination. But uh, I've become good friends with this director, and he directs a lot of rap videos. And as you can imagine, there's a cop in every rap video now. And I've done this four times. <clears throat> in the past two months, I've played a police officer in uh, in a rap video four times. And this director uh, uh, took a liking to me. And this was so much fun. I go down into South Central. I missed a lot of football on Sunday. We, we shot it on a Sunday. I go down into South, deep into South. We're going deep into South Central. 103rd and Avalon. Ooh, that scares me. Yeah. <laughs> 103rd and Avalon. And so I go, and, and the kid grew up right on this neighborhood where, where I am. It's a couple blocks off 103rd and Avalon in the corner of 103rd and some street. And uh, and I pull up, and it's so much fun. And I have a colleague who also rents out police cars as a business. As a business, he rents out um, military and police-related stuff to movie sets and rock videos and rap videos, etc. So I, I pull up, and the, uh, the most wanted is up-and-coming rapper. His brother belongs to a dirt bike gang. And which is funny because you think of dirt bikes, you think of I grew up in rural upstate New York. You think of white guys and dirt bikes on the farm and doing their wheelies and doing their stunts and <clears throat> dirt bikes full of white guys. 
But it's this it's his brother and about 20 friends, and they go out riding every Sunday on their dirt bikes. And so that's part of the plot of the rap video is I'm arresting this rapper and roughing him up and putting him in the cop car, but I'm surrounded by this dirt bike gang who's yelling at me and give me the finger. And I take off with the guy, by the way, it's a fully working police car. It's got a siren. It's got the lights. And so I rough the plus, I rough him up and I throw him in the car and then we, we take off and then they they come chasing after us. And so we're driving down 103rd street in South LA. And so in the second scene, the rapper is in the back seat rapping. So we got the music blasting and, and the, the uh, director who's also the cameraman is in the back seat. I'm driving and we're going up and down 130 with the lights on. Right. So it's very confusing to the neighbors and with surrounded by 25 dirt bikers who are come, go, driving by the car, doing wheelies and giving me the finger. And, and I have this full escort, of all the guys, because it's all these guys who grew up with this, his brother's friends who belong to this motorcycle game. Some of them as young as, there's no license plates on these dirt bikes. <laughs> so, on some of these, because one of the kids was 13, the youngest kid in this, uh, uh, biker gang. It's not tough kids. It's just fun, fun neighborhood kids. Everybody was so much fun. And so we're going up and down 103rd doing this scene. And then the director gets out of the car and the rapper gets on the back of an ATV. And uh, and then I'm chasing that up and down 103rd Street with the lights on. And so we have one final after that, we have one final scene at the donut shop on Avalon 103rd. Well, that gets a little more that gets because this is a low budget paid very well. And it's, it's, it's great with these rap videos. They pay well, but it's not Steven Spielberg. You're not doing 18 takes. Right? <laughs> You're doing a couple of takes and you know, I'm out of there in a few hours. So. I have to pull into this donut shop with him in the back of the car because at the end I go in to get a donut and his friend opens the door and lets him out of the car because you can never get out of a police car from the inside. And I I, I had to pull in. We, we do the take and I'm getting ready to pull in the donut shop and then there's a red light and there's cars in my way. So I so I turned on the siren. <laughs> All of this, by the way, is, you know, we don't, we don't have the city permit to film because it's low budget. And I turn on the siren, whoop, whoop, and everyone gets out of my way. It's because I didn't want them, to, I didn't want the red light to ruin the scene. And I pulled into the donut shop and, you know, and then we did our scene there. Did you feel and, empowered in that uniform with the gun? It was an incredible <laughs> look on you there because you're a bodybuilder, you work out, you rip, you're sitting in this police uniform what was that like what did it, it feel like it, it wasn't it was fascinating watching the sea part you know like moses in the red sea for a car with the lights on for a cop car with the red lights on and the confusion of the other people in traffic and the neighbors etc as a police car is driving in the middle of a biker gang doing wheelies <laughs> it's like it was it was a very confusing visual for those who didn't know what was going on up and down 103rd street where it was like is this a slow speed chase with the police officer and some people could see that there was a camera and a rapper so some people could say okay maybe it's a police car that's escorting the video crew so that that part was fun and then when we had to do another take and i had to go to the end of the street and do a u-turn I with the lights on in the car, everyone just stopped and got out of my way because <laughs> you can't tell. People, average people don't know the difference between a movie, 
uh, a police car and a regular one because they look exactly the same. That's the point. And it was just one of the most fun days I've had in a long time. A lot of, you know, the last four rap videos I did where I played a cop, which is funny. Um, it's it's all these mostly 20-something young guys who are actors and rappers, and they got a clothing, you know, design thing going on the side. So it's young people who have either grew up in L.A. or moved to L.A. And rappers, too, as you know, they're the... A lot of times the poets are the guys that went to the art school. It's the hidden secret, even though they're, you know, they're rapping and, and writing about growing up in the hood because they did. But they're usually not hard edged gangsters. They're, um, you know, they were the ones who read books and poetry. And that's why they write it. And that's how they perform it. So they're always fascinating people. I saw something that only a few, a select few human beings have seen. Human beings anywhere on the planet, from Istanbul to Zimbabwe. Love that. I saw Tom Brady play live, Oh, live last Sunday. Oh, my God. No one else in the podcast world that I know of other than me. Remember when I told you I went to Tiger's last major before he won the Masters? He was Right. And I stayed that Monday. Okay. Brady played the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. And I was there two hours before the you know the game started doing the pregame show. I was in the concourse in an empty stadium, completely empty. One of the only people on oh. the lower concourse. To You've do sent the- me the videos. When you say empty, empty. Empty. <laughs> and Tom Brady came out initially with shorts on, came out with shorts on to do stretching and warm-up, and he was doing that, and I was able to see him there. And then Tom Brady went in and got his uniform on and came out and went through his warm-ups. And then he played the game and literally single-handedly destroyed the Raiders. I mean, he picked them apart. He was dropping daisy cutters. If there was a scoreboard over midfield, he would have hit the scoreboard as he was dropping in these bombs and hitting Gronk. I said to myself, 43 years old, and I'm watching the greatest football player, quarterback of all time, in a building where there are no fans, and Tom Brady was better than ever. It was as good as any game I've ever seen him play, and he did it at 43 years old. It was shocking to me. It is unbelievable, too, when you take a look at who Tom Brady was playing. He was playing the number three rated quarterback in the NFL, Derek Carr, who's having the best season of his career. As I look at my trusted quarterback rating, so that was no small feat for Tom Brady, who's who is in the top ten. I mean, you take a look at the top ten quarterbacks right now, according to my trusty NFL quarterback oh. rating, which I truly believe. Yes, here it is. Oh, that's right. I'm supposed to start at ten, or it upsets you. Number ten is Tom Brady. At number nine, Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills. At number eight, Drew Brees, still on the list, limping out there for the New York <laughs> New Orleans Saints. At number seven, not Justin E. Bear, Justin Herbert. <laughs> Of the, Change it to <laughs> he should. Uh, the L.A. Chargers quarterback is for real. He's the, he's the seventh rated. He's had he's a one away quarterback rating. Poor, poor Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> Tyrod Taylor has a it gets injured not by not in the football game not at practice. He gets injured by the uh, personal t- the, the trainer who injects his rib and all of a sudden that gives birth to Justin Ebert's career at number six. Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans, uh, fifth best quarterback in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs at number four. Ryan Tannehill, where did he come from? Playing great for the uh, Tennessee Titans. Derek Carr, Las Vegas Raiders with a 112.8 quarterback rating. 
Wow. So, so does John Gruden believe in him now? He's having a great year. He's yeah. having a great year, three and three. He's putting his team in a position to win. Who's at number two? That would be Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. He of the bad body language whenever his team gets behind. That's a pretty significant statistic that all of a sudden they bombed us with, isn't it? I don't remember that statistic before about how much he sucks when his team's behind. The body language is the beginning of that, no doubt. Ooh. I'm dying to know who's number one. Is it that Lamar Jackson guy who likes to run all the time? That oh, man. No, it's not the best quarterback in the NFL, Lamar Jackson, who, I, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in the NFL. It's Russell Wilson, no surprise. By far the best quarterback in the NFL. He just got beat by Kyler Murray on Sunday night football as that game was moved from Vegas. That was why I was there at that time of day. It was ripped off of Sunday night football and moved to Glendale, Arizona, where that game went to overtime. Russell Wilson threw an interception in overtime the way he ended a Super Bowl by throwing it to Malcolm Butler at the goal line. He seems to have have a, a knack for a big interception here or there, even though he's great. And that was a fun game to watch. I think Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson are identical. One's just a little bit more mature and older. Like Kyler Murray's coming quick. He's a Kyler player. Murray is so far Tim Tebow or Butterbean. Oh, stop. He's yes, he is. Look, I'm, I'm going by the, the numbers. The numbers. He is a lot of media hype. Take a look at his numbers. He's the 22nd. Best quarterback in the NFL. He's right behind Gardner Minshew the third. So, uh, oh, in the interest of uh, journalistic integrity, it's Gardner Minshew the second. But nevertheless, yeah, he's not statistically one. He's right above Kirk Cousins. <laughs> he's not one of the best, but he's fun to watch. He's a lot of fun. He's not steak. He's cake. He's not protein. He's carbohydrates. And will he continue to get better? Yeah, I hope so, because he's a lot of fun. The big topic this week in sports radio is the Cowboys got humiliated <gasps> by the Washington football team. That yes. gutless team can't even come up with a name yet. I know. Like I said, I could put six 12-year-old girls in a room and say, hey, I'm going to come back every 20 minutes, and we're going to knock down the list from 10 to 5 to 2 to 1, and they'd have me a name of a football team for Washington. But for whatever reason, the NFL, Daniel Snyder, can't do it. Don't you think Daniel Snyder's pouting? That's why he did that? He's pouting about I, it? I, stalling because the investigation that's ongoing about the cheerleaders and the scandal there. He doesn't, he, you don't, he doesn't want to hear anybody mention his name, so he's lying in the weeds. But uh, in that okay. game, in that game, Andy Dalton got hit on a brutal, dirty ejection hit, and he laid motionless on the field. At the location of one of the great rivalries in the history of sports, Redskins and Cowboys. Yeah. Nobody on the Dallas team, nobody fought. Nobody just said, I'm throwing down. We're fighting. No one came flying off the bench. No one on that offensive line. So I played the sound this week. Jerry Jones is testy about it. Stephen Jones had not much to say. Mike McCarthy asked about it on record said the most gutless thing, and you know how much I love McCarthy. Right. He did for our friend Andrew. He basically said, well, sometimes the offensive linemen are finishing their block. They didn't see what happened. Oh, my God. Didn't see what happened. Andy Dalton's lying motionless, and no one stepped up. You were a Pop Warner star. 
Do you remember if someone in your youth went after your buddy? Oh, the type of fights that broke out. We're still friends. I've got a lot of us guys who played on that Pop Warner team. We we would have done the same thing then that we would do now if anyone had ever, or if we had been under the impression someone purposely injured uh, or took out one of our teammates. And that's always a tough thing to accuse somebody about with the brutal nature of the NFL because, God, you're coached up to play that way and you're coached up to give 110% on every play or you could get hurt yourself. And a lot of times the, the, the game is so fast in the NFL. Yeah, you could run up on somebody and take the most aggressive shot and miss, which is what usually happens in the NFL. Most guys who try to tackle somebody miss because the game goes so fast. So with the exception of that play in general, a lot of times with the flags that are thrown, I know they're trying to change the game, but it's hard to change the brutal nature of the NFL. I think it also might have, maybe they don't know them as well. Also, there's no excuses. I'm trying to come up with reasons. And I am surprised with Mike McCarthy not taking a more aggressive stance, but he's always been kind of vanilla. And you mentioned how much we like him. Late on a Saturday night, the night before the Raiders played the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay, we had a party for our friend who was dying of cancer, and so we took him to a Green Bay Packer game. He grew up in Wisconsin. It was his favorite team. So we took him there because we knew he didn't have much time. And Mike McCarthy came to the party to wish our friend well, our friend who was dying of cancer. He came to the party the Saturday night before a football game. You know how much coaches prepare. And so that's why you and I don't have much bad to say forever about Mike McCarthy. Yeah, only great things to say about him because of that. And as we record the podcast, the Lions traded with the Cowboys for Everson Griffin, the edge rusher, the pass rusher, who comes over. And it brings us to a, another topic because the Cowboys talked with a number of teams about a deal in the last couple of days here. And the move saves them a little more than $3 million in, in salary cap space. But I'm seeing now the NFL now tanking and load management and quitting. So I want to say this. I haven't seen this my whole life. I've seen trades. We saw Minnesota, the team I predicted would go to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Swing and miss, miss that. They got rid of Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah, he's going to the Ravens, who already have the number one defense. Just got Ngakwe, just got to Minnesota. So Minnesota is tanking. So what Minnesota is doing is they're losing on purpose, or they're not putting out their best players. The Cowboys are doing this. You're not a better team if you're the Dallas Cowboys, if you let Everson Griffin go. And we're going to see more and more the Jets that haven't won a game, they got rid of Jamal Adams to start that process with Seattle, get all those draft picks. Yeah. It's nothing different than the NBA. I'm disgusted by this. I think a lot of our listeners, our audience, has to get to understand this. And, and you're going to use the COVID excuse. I really do. I think the teams are going to eventually say, look, we got two wins. There's 13 teams with two wins or less. 13 teams in the NFL with two or less wins, and now you're seeing teams just blow out guys, get rid of guys for six-round picks. Isn't that cheating? Isn't that tanking? Isn't that putting out an inferior roster? 
Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's tough, too. It's tough on the players because the players are given 110%. The players aren't tanking so their team can be better next year because who says they'll be on it and they need that six and seven uh, figure paycheck. So, but the players, the players get some of the brunt of it because people don't know that. And it's not fair to the fans who already can't go to games anyway. And maybe they're doing it also because every election year, it's a down year for the NFL with the election and COVID sports, sports viewership is down. And, and I'm thinking maybe that's one of the reasons that they're taking, you know, that's what they do in, in big business. They, take, they they calculate those things. And I think that's part of the calculation. It's nothing different than the NBA. KABC SoCal weather. Sunny today, high in the 70s. 71 in Hollywood. 72 on the Sunset Strip. 75 on Mulholland Drive. Tom Looney, KABC News. You know, I was thinking, I have won in life with weather. I won. It's oh. over. Uh-huh. We have had 180 days without a drop of rain. It's a record. The other record, I believe it dates back to like the 1940s. It was 150 days. We shattered the record. We didn't break the record. We shattered it. So we had our first weather issue in Vegas. It was windy. It was windy to the point where it put leaves in the pool oh yeah there's been winds in the west coast we've had that too yeah Yeah, you've seen that the horrible santa Ana winds out west right we're getting a little bit of that but literally i've won i left new york as a young man because of weather i love my parents i love my sisters i love my (laughs) friends i love because i couldn't take the weather i came out to vegas and vegas i lived in san diego la san francisco all fine fine weather san diego america's finest city Nothing compares to here. It refuses to rain, and our worst day of weather is wind where you can't play golf. And I'm looking out at my pool as we record this podcast, and I have to send in a scuba team, like a CSI team, (laughs) and get all the leaves out. But other than that, that's the only weather issues we've had in like six months. Imagine the entire length of the coronavirus. It hasn't rained a drop in Las Vegas. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And do do you... The thing about the seasons is for those people like you and me who moved to nicer weather, they are fun to visit. You know, maybe like other people's kids or whatever. They are fun to visit, but it's also fun to leave the snow or the wind and the rain and the muck and the mire and come back to our the sunny places where we live. I love nothing about the seasons. <laughs> I don't I don't have Anything in my DNA, which my mom and dad have, and they're great, there's nothing in my DNA that likes or respects fall foliage. (laughs) That's funny. I don't want anything to do with fall foliage. I have no interest in fall foliage. I don't want to get on a freeway. I don't want to get on a turnpike. I don't want to get on a throughway. I don't want to get off. I don't want to look at leaves. So you didn't fall in love with the fall foliage when you went to Geneseo State University? I didn't even notice it. I was... (laughs) (laughs) I was in the back of GJ's Gentleman Jim's bar. I was in the front of the in-between. I was at the idle hour. I was at the vital spot where I was in the basement of the DK house playing quarters and teaching the younger fraternity brothers how to play quarters. I never noticed it. All I've ever noticed. But a couple of times a year, you did have to get into a car and drive seven hours from Geneseo to Long Island to go to Thanksgiving with your parents. Especially Thanksgiving time. You didn't notice driving back back to school the the beautiful fall foliage? 
two of my best friends, we can do a podcast on this. Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Baxter, uh-huh. who you know well. And my other buddy who should get more acclaim, Greg Eddy. Uh, Greg, who lives in Richmond, Virginia. Greg would drive. He would drive. He had the truck, and he would drive us to college. We all went to college together. And the second I would get in the truck, before we even got to New York City to get on the bridges to uh-huh. leave, I'd fall asleep. And I'd, wake up, I'd wake up in a small town called Chamung. Chamung! <laughs> right outside of Elmer. And I would yeah. wake up and we'd get a Burger King stop. And then when we'd leave Geneseo to drive to Long Island, usually for the holiday and get home to see our family, right past Chamung, after that Burger King where the, where the girls used to flirt with us by right. riding inside our chicken sandwich pockets <laughs> and give us their phone numbers, I would wake up when we were like on the Tappan Zee Bridge and we only had about wow. 15 minutes left. So I was a big sleeper in cars my whole life and now i have a difficult time if i have to drive seriously more than four or five hours it's just something with me do you, are you well, i know uh, i hate long distance driving we both have similar attention span issues and also driving long ways makes me sleepy i'm not a sleepy guy you're not a sleepy guy but something about the driving and the zen of the activity makes me sleepy when i'm not normally a sleepy kind of guy but yeah no i don't like long drives i don't know you know people retire and buy those giant suvs and winnebago's oh my god are you kidding you want to oh yeah if i had a driver i might enjoy that type of activity (laughs) speaking of sleep and trying to get to sleep and driving falling asleep our old friend Charlie Rose is gone. He's a pariah now. Yeah. I, hope well. I mean, uh. he would help me go to sleep every night because my hours in radio still to this day, uh, 24 years in the business, no one has arguably worked more hours on the air other than maybe Mike and the Mad Dog because they did five yeah, hours. Maybe, maybe Arthur Godfrey, right? <laughs> I mean, the, dog, the dog's got real commercials. He's got a three-hour right. show. With, right. There's clock. not many. Yeah. yeah, I don't have that clock. And then, you know, Charlie Rose would – help me go to sleep at night because when i come home if i couldn't go to bed i would put on charlie rose and i would hear the quietness of his conversation on the brain right something he would have he would have an opera singer who i'd have no interest but i'd listen and i'd fall asleep what about when he had fareed zakaria talking about his latest book on economics global economics before he started becoming a political pundit right right you know he was the i cheat the only thing i cheated on in college was economics class and bored me to death and i didn't get it and i'm not you know i'm not a left-brain guy but he made me buy a book on global economics. He made economics interesting. And anybody who can make economics interesting has a definite talent, <laughs> in which he does. He has a great way of, of uh, describing what's going on in the world through economics and making it interesting. So now when I want to sleep and I look at that clock, which is another weird thing, only a few people get it. I have the same the same alarm clock that I had in elementary school. Wow. The, same, the exact one. Same one. It works fine. It still gets in radio stations on the dial, and I still have to click a big button to line up the time digitally. Still works. It's amazing. That's one of the only things I've ever had I have left from my youth. And when I look at the clock and I have to get up at 630 and it's 230 and I haven't been able to go to sleep yet, I, I pretend I'm in an airport. I really do this. Wow. I say, what's a 2.30 to 6.30 flight? It's a four-hour flight. That's like flying from Vegas in the air to Florida. Mm-hmm. And I just did that trip, by the way. So when I do that trip, I can fall asleep five seconds when I get on the plane. And I only awake when the, uh, 
when the stewardess comes by and says, hey, you have to move your seat back up. Well, oh, yes. Wow. Good for you. Wow. I gotta pretend that I'm getting on the plane from Vegas to Florida, Vegas to New York, and it kind of calms me down to quickly get to sleep because there's an art in quickly getting to sleep when you have to get to sleep. Oh, my God. Good job. Now, I just 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 as a side note here. I uh my my home is set up. I go newsroom a lot of time. There'll still be CNN on one TV and ESPN. Background is there some? Yeah, I'm wondering. It was... Yeah, it's your TV. Your I'm TV. dying to know what that is. Hang on. I can hear your TV. Maybe it's somebody outside. Ah, yeah. <laughs> This is great, and we can leave this in the podcast because this is the no, different. I don't, I don't like leaving this in the podcast. I know you don't, but we want to keep, keep it real. Noise. I don't it's, like noise. It's the guy uh, across the street vacuuming, a kid across the street vacuuming his car. That's funny. Um, uh, one thing about uh, about leaving things in the podcast like that, that's what keeps it real compared to you know, compared to regular radio when something like that would have made us nuts until we went to commercial or you'd, you'd push the mute button and you'd say to the producer, can you find out what the fuck that is? <laughs> and the talk back button that we have that we sometimes curse into not cursing at uh, our producers, of course, which we never did, but cursing about whatever the hell was driving us crazy. thing that still bothers me about radio still bothers me today i i got this great company i work for sirius xm and i do the show from vegas and there's a lot of change and they're such a good company because they're keeping everyone hired they're keeping great great incredible but we're getting a lot of different board ops and board ops you know how important board ops to me yes they push the button most of them are very good but the anxiety that you know i have every night get me on the air Right. Dial right. me in. Dial me into the show because I'm prepared. I got my laptop, my microphone's ready. I'm ready to go for the long haul. And still in radio, the only thing that gives me anxiety is not the content, not questions, not information. Is ten minutes before the show when they dial up and do you get that lock? And they do it on a Comrex machine. Because right. all I need in radio. With all due respect, I just need to get on the air. (laughs) We we first probably 25 podcasts. We were trying to figure out, does it sound right? I got the roadcaster. You're doing it from your home. I'm doing it from my wife's closet. It took a while to figure it out. Now it brings a different type of energy to the podcast and the radio show. And I know there's no snafus. Technical issues suck, don't they? Oh, my God, yeah. And, uh, And we've gotten better at even having to iron them out ourselves because not only because of the podcast but because of COVID-19 and stay at home we're both doing a lot more from home and we both had become more technical savvy but another behind the scenes question for you you always were a big fan of the monologue and trying to start at least the first hour with a big one and then a smaller version with your other hours that you've been on the air that's always been huge to you but you know especially in summertime but it could happen any time of year on, an, on a Wednesday, when you're driving into work, the last game you had of any note was on, let's say, during the football season. It was on Monday night. You got games coming up, but it's a Wednesday. 
and you always love to blast out of the gate with uh, a monologue. But there have been times you drove into the studio and you didn't know what the hell you were going to monologue about until the light went on. Yeah, I know, I very, it's it, it, yeah, it's a strength of mine that I really embrace because, you know, I one of the things I've been very fortunate about is that when the when the microphone light goes on, I really believe that that first 20 minutes of each hour, I can I, I got that. I got it. I know what I want to talk about. I have a general idea of the topics in my in my head. I don't write any notes. I, right. I, I from time to time I'll put a note in front of me, which is a bullet point, because we know people in radio who are comfortable reading their show or right. having writers and having a teleprompter, and that's becoming more and more prevalent. And on the other side of the equation, people will say, "Well, you know, you can't be that prepared if you don't have notes and you don't prep your monologue." That's total bullshit. And I tell this to younger broadcasters all the time. If you're not ready to go on the radio, if you're not up to date on sports, I'm never out of the sports cycle. Right. I go on a random vacation. So I'm always up to date. I do a afternoon show. I do a night show. I watch PTI. I look at Sports Center. So I pretty much know what I want to talk about. Some of the people that are, are doing these three-hour show prep meetings or an hour or an hour and a half are doing it because they won't admit they're catching up for what they don't know. Right, right. They've gotten a little bit lazy about watching sports. Life has caught up with them, maybe kids and colleges. They have less interest. Sometimes I compare it, JT, to somebody like John McCain. John McCain actually in 2000 wanted to become a Democrat, but thought, well, I'm old. I'll just stick with what I'm doing. Sometimes there's priests who who no longer believe in God, but they're 60 years old. They, they can't reinvent themselves and start a new career, so they just keep saying it. They don't even know if they believe what they're saying. And sometimes sportscasters lose interest in sports and then have to come in and have younger people tell them what happened the night before. It's pretty embarrassing that if you're in our industry, which is sports, and you're in news, so you do news mm-hmm. and sports. I just do pretty much sports. The fact that most people don't go to games, and now you can't go to games. And I'll tie that into what I saw on Sunday. When you don't go to sporting events, and then you don't watch sports, and then you don't stay up late. This is a big East Coast problem. A lot of guys back East don't stay up past 10 o'clock East oh, Coast time. Yeah. 7 Pacific. <laughs> they don't stay up past midnight and which is 9 Pacific, where LeBron James is walking to the locker room. It's called halftime. Halftime of a game at that time. And then people the next day got to make it up. That's why they get in and they have to do a two-hour or 90-minute show prep because they didn't see anything. And they they have to get up to date on what they missed. And then they have to hear other people tell them their version of what they missed. I'm proud of one thing. Whenever we were on the radio together, I'm on the radio still. When something happens quickly, I'm on from 7 to 10 Pacific time. When games are live, I love that because – Quickly, you got to form an opinion. Yeah, it's a high wire act that a lot of talk shows don't like, and we loved that part. And, you know, I don't want to knock producers because maybe one of my producers are listening or one of the producers in the past are listening. I just had this conversation with someone in management radio, and, and I said, I don't need a producer. And they said, What? I said, I don't need a producer. I need a guest booker. I need someone to get, uh, get me guests, help book the guest, and then I need a board op. And why is that? Because sound is important to me. So the, right. timing, the timing with us, the timing of throwing to a sound bite, to me is the show. And then I need someone to book the guest, get the guest on if we pre-tape the guest, which is no secret. 
They're some of the best guests that I have in all of radio. I might tape them at 3 in the afternoon and play it at 10 o'clock at night because the right. content is exceptional. And then the other thing is I don't need a producer telling me in my ear, unless it's breaking news, hey, go look over here. Something happened. I got a great producer now who's looking at Twitter throughout the show and has caught things on Twitter. Athlete right. saying something, which a producer does that now. That does help because a lot of times you're hosting a show, you have TVs you're looking at, and you got and you get monologues you got to give, and you can't look at Twitter as you don't have a third eye. Now, a lot of good producers in sports radio, oh. but a, a lot of them. If I would give advice to, you know, they have these consultants that don't never hosted a radio show. They have people, program directors, and I know I get on this rant who have never cracked the microphone, and some of them are very good, and some of them are iconic. Right. But in general, it's all a waste of time. It's how good is the host in knowing sports and staying up to date with sports. And if you have a void, if you're not good at hockey, if you're not good at global soccer, if you don't understand the rules of a sport, educate yourself on it. A lot of guys just look for producers to cover them up. Or they mock the sport. Yeah, they just mocked hockey's the best example yep. I've ever seen. Hockey, when you see the week of the Stanley Cup and you know that a sports radio host can't even go to commercial, a lot of times they avoid it and they won't take calls. They won't talk about it for two, three hours. But when you when you go to commercial break, which we never say commercials, we tease ahead. Mm -hmm. So we try to get you to listen longer by telling you something that's intriguing that will make you come back. So before you your tease is about to come up, if you can't even say – Last night, the Tampa Bay Lightning won 5-1. The reason why they won this game over Dallas is because of blank. And give nine seconds of just checking that box off, it proves that you're not comfortable talking about it. And that's a big secret now in radio. There's so many one-trick ponies in sports talk and other talk uh, genres that they're just afraid to talk about topics they're not comfortable with. And then one of the reasons why that's a big mistake by hosts for not acknowledging it just for a minute before break, like you said. Same thing why boxing fans love listening to, listening to us, because boxing's a cult, hockey's a cult. And if you just me mention their cult for a minute or two and, and show the respect that you're paying attention or at least paying attention to the box score and filling people in, and giving an opinion, people really appreciate that. They know that their sport isn't as popular as they would like it to be, but just the acknowledgement of it also endears you to the listener because there's just one guy in a car. It's not an audience. It's not, uh, you know, you're just speaking to a guy in the car. That guy in the car likes hockey or boxing and just mention it for a minute. They love that. You know, there's so many, there's so many really good, talented people in our format of sports, sports mm. podcasts, so many talented people. I can't even begin to count them all. But there are people at this point in time that aren't doing a great job during the pandemic. And as I told you, and I'm, I'm starting to see it and hear it from some other people, this is one of the most important chapters of my career. I'm really proud of it. Uh, I embraced it from the beginning. I don't know when it's going to end. As I look at these COVID numbers, over 220,000 dead. I heard the other day that when you look at hockey, the Winter Classic was canceled. Oh, my God. They haven't even started the season. And they're canceling their biggest event, the Winter Classic. The NBA, the NBA is hiding. And you pointed this out better than anybody. You came up with the fact that the NBA just likes to 
kind of sneak in quietly. They don't oh, like let everybody know. For years they did that. They would sneak in like a convicted sex offender into town and didn't want any publicity. Oh, God, I hope it's not in the paper. That's what they used to say back in the days when they had newspapers, uh, when the NBA used to come into town. And then, uh, you know, they'd play they'd play a half-ass games up until Christmas Day, and then even though their season was six weeks old. But that's changed a little bit. But what were you going to say about the NBA? They're the only success story in the entire COVID era. Well, the NBA, as they said, they came so up far. Christmas doubleheader, then the tripleheader, yep. then the quadrupleheader. They gave us all these games. But now as we sit here and we look at this on this date, October 27th, as we're recording, the NBA, which I talked to uh, Jeff Sherman from the Westgate, he sets the odds there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the odds are for the... The New Jer- uh, the Brooklyn Nets, the Warriors, and the Lakers, right? The worst team in basketball last year were the Warriors. And then you had the Nets without Kyrie and Kevin Durant. The Lakers are world champs. But that's supposed to start sometime in the new year. Well, you can't go walk through Penn Station now. You can't go through Penn Station. Above Penn Station is Madison Square Garden. You know, Have you heard the silence of this commissioner now, who did a great job in the COVID bubble in Orlando? They haven't told this yet in hockey and the NBA if they're coming back. If they're coming back, when they're coming back, they give us this conspiracy theory of the new year. The new year, which is coming up. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, there's no way there's going to be fans. No way unless there's a vaccine, and then the vaccine starts to get doled out to everybody, and we're right at Halloween. So that's the elephant in the room as we record this podcast. NBA isn't ready to start. Hockey isn't ready to start. College basketball still in a bubble. College football is in almost a complete bubble, and except some markets where they're letting fans in. Uh, this COVID's going into 2021, and it's coming in hot. Yeah, it really is. And it looks to me like the numbers are higher than ever. And we better not get fatigued because COVID fatigue can turn into testing positive for COVID. And for some people, that means death. And I think for as obviously it's a lot more, a lot more people have pre-existing conditions than we thought of. You can't see pre-existing conditions. So I think a lot of us thought that was just something that other people have and not a lot of people have. And then we realize a lot of people do. And that's and that's tragic. And we're get, but but circling back to the NBA, I think they did it so well that they're just putting it together and they haven't said anything because they don't know what they're doing yet or they haven't finalized what they're doing. They have to give the players a couple of months off. And so I'm thinking it's probably coming back in January. Well, Kevin Durant's had a year and a half off. Clay well, Thompson he has, yeah, had right. A year and a half off, and I agree with you. And it will come. Yeah, back. I guess other than the right, the, other than the Lakers and the Miami Heat, everyone else will have enough time off. Yeah, and think of all the teams that weren't even invited in the bubble for those exhibition play-in games where Phoenix won every game and still didn't get in. And yeah, good fight and Dame, <clears throat> Damian Lillard played so well, but well, remember, it's usually starting today. The new season you normally starts near the end of October. But here, here's what we can do. Here's why we can trust the NBA. They're the only, they're the only sports so far. I mean, we'll take a look at what happens when the NFL season is over, et cetera. And the baseball season will be over in a couple of days. And it seems to me like they got away with bringing some excitement and getting some games played. But the NBA played in that bubble. Nobody tested positive. They were the only good citizens in America so far to do anything right when it comes to COVID-19, where NBA players who are always thought of as fuck-ups 
And so that's that's encouraging that the NBA did it right once. Why can't they do it right twice? Because if they're going to do it right twice, they have to go into a bubble. <laughs> I know. For, right, for six months. Yeah. There's no one, right. there's no one that's going to watch. There's, I'm sorry. Nothing's going to change much with China, Hong Kong, the virus, uh, Black Lives Matter, all the big issues that, so, issues that uh-huh. surrounded the NBA. If you say to the NBA again, all right, here we go. We're ready to go. We're in the middle of another COVID wave. And it's big, and the numbers are double of what they were when we had you in the bubble last season going into the playoffs. I just don't think fans are going to be interested. Oh, here's why I think fans will be interested. It'll be basketball season. And right now, if you've noticed the commercials on TV, it's already holiday season. Seattle Shirt Company has got you covered for holiday season with NBA and NFL shirts that you'll love. 100% authentic. They have current superstars like LeBron James, all-time legends like Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Walter Payton. It's Seattle Shirt Company, a proud sponsor of the JT and Looney podcast. And right now, for our listeners, they have a one-time-only pre-Black Friday Cyber Monday deal. Everything you buy at seattleshirt.com is 30% off. When you check out, you'll get that 30% deal. Just enter the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. That's the network that puts this podcast on an outstanding platform. Shout out to BELIEVE! Shipping is always free at Seattle Shirt Company, helping you get ready for the holidays a little bit earlier. Yeah, we had we had an election year. We had COVID-19 in our basketball, and the NBA finals were being held during football season. But you're missing my point. The finals, the finals you're talking about. You were talking about the bubble. The bubble yeah. was regular season. If you say we're starting off the regular season and we're going to have Knicks-Pistons game one, we're not going to do 82 games. We're going to do 60 games, mm-hmm. we're gonna do the playoffs, and it's going to start – and we're going to do it. I think what, one of the things I have to do now, we have to get on with our lives. So if the Knicks are playing at the Pistons, they play in Detroit. You don't have them play in front of fans, but they do play in Detroit. And you make them travel and you sterilize the arena or you have limited fans there. I just don't believe, Tom, that it'll work sending them back down to Orlando again, saying let's start season two in your mind of the NBA in the bubble. And on top of it, it's meaningless regular season games. I don't think many people are going to watch. I don't think you'll have problems with people watching. I think you'll just have problems with how to do it. I think the second half you've got right is how do you do it? Uh, and that's what that's what they're huddling. They don't know yet, or they haven't figured it all out yet, which is why they haven't said anything. Well, our, just- our hockey owner here in Vegas, Bill Foley, who's a billionaire, wine industry, uh, mortgage, finance industry, uh, he said it here on the local news. He's got to get people in the in the building, T-Mobile. It's got to happen. There's got to be some type of meeting of the minds where there's a vaccine or there's some type of medicine that you could take or the elderly stay away, pre-existing conditions. We've got to find a way, with a mask or not, to get people into these arenas again for concerts and for hockey games and for just overall conventions and entertainment. And as of now, as of now, a lot of people say, well, it's all going to go away on Election Day. We'll see what happens, but the numbers are spiking. All of 40 states, 40 states are spiking right now. Well, yeah, that conspiracy doesn't work because it's science. It's not opinion. What I mean is the, uh, the COVID-19 is, is a virus. It's not an opinion that's going to go away. On Election Day, yeah, people keep thinking like, you know, it came around and the media jumped on it to get Biden elected. 
that's just a, that's what's great about conspiracy theories. You could just make shit up like that. And if you end up being wrong, it doesn't matter because you made it up anyway. And you can make up new stuff to explain why stuff happened. That's the way conspiracy theories work. But it's not going away on Election Day. It might, it's going to be worse than ever on Election Day. And it's going to get worse after Election Day because of all the people who stood next to each other, breathed on each other to vote. So that conspiracy is cockamamie. And here's the same thing that's going on that you just mentioned with the NBA and the NHL is the same thing that's happening with restaurant. People are saying the same thing. We just got to get people is, is Foley and his arena and a billionaire. Well, yeah, people who don't have a billion dollars who own restaurants are begging, you know, states to let them open up in some way, shape or form, because unless you've got you're lucky enough to have an outdoor uh facility with a restaurant and ability to seat people outdoors you're screwed same thing with the gym business i go to a gym 15 miles away because it's out they took everything and put it in the parking lot it's great but not every gym can do that some gyms don't have big parking lots that they own themselves and so there's businesses of every kind. Just think, no matter what industry you're thinking about. My cousin's moving to California. He said, do you have any job leads? <laughs> I wanted to remain positive, and I respected his fearlessness. I said, well, if you there's delivery, Amazon, because people are staying at home, especially in California. People are staying home and doing their jobs at home and ordering in. And so delivery drivers, there's a huge need for them. He said, well, I kind of work. I want to work as a runner, like, you know, in show business as a runner. Like it's like saying you want to be yeah it's nice to be a horse and buggy driver too but they're not making horse and buggies anymore they're not making movies either and uh, even even talk show hosts and you're watching how many TV shows do you see where they're, they're it's rinky dinks they're doing it from home so every industry you can possibly think of is hurting so much and and I don't have the answer you're saying what do we do we got to open it up somehow yeah that's what that that's the biggest. The conundrum right now in our culture and a lot of cultures around the world. We got to open this up somehow. Well, as we weave it, and we always weave in COVID, mm -hmm. just doing a lot of podcasts during COVID, is uh, yesterday I had my nose swabbed again. And when, oh. I was, when I was leaving, the woman said, Take care, JT. And I said, What? Uh, I didn't know. She knew my name because <laughs> she's done it so many times. <laughs> wow. So right. I, I couldn't believe it. It really it was interesting because I got back to my car. And I said, wow, that was another thing I'm going to journal. I can't believe that the woman at the writer facility who's kind and checks me in, and then she says either go to, go to room one, two, or three, and there's a bunch of people there, and the woman who did what she did said to me on the way out, take care, JT. And I was like, wow, I didn't know her name. I felt bad because I didn't know her name. She knew right. my name. And it's just amazing. It got me thinking of frontline workers, knowing their name. How long is this going to last? It's just it's becoming it's becoming normal for twice a week to drive across town and for me to get COVID tested. Right. Knowing that, knowing that I have to block out an hour, 20 minutes to drive in each direction for what takes 30 seconds once I get there. And I don't like the fact that it's becoming so normal as we head into Halloween. Uh. My son just had homecoming where they took pictures. They took pictures for homecoming. The parents 
the parents had to sign waivers. The kids had to sign waivers not to put the pictures up on social media. Parents had to have their temperature taken walking into this beautiful multi-million dollar home where the kids were meeting with masks on to take their homecoming pictures. Seniors in high school, uh. what they want to do is have fun and go out to dinner and some go on their first date. And a bunch of parents are in the backyard with red solo cups with masks on, taking the mask down, taking a drink, putting the mask up, introducing themselves, saying, well, we can get through this. You know, the parents, most of us in our 50s, early 50s, late 40s, and looking at these kids, and it's just becoming part of the normal. And it's, it's going from junior year to senior year, freshman year to sophomore year, senior year in college to first year you're supposed to have a job, but you can't get a job because no one's hiring. And uh, a friend of mine at the gym who was a senior in high school and he was really trying to get into a Division One college football team, a great football player. He's going to do junior college in order to get more tape on himself to show people he has the talent to play in Division One. And then there's no football. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. And so the, the, the way it's going to change so many people's lives, I mean, people will have to make chicken soup out of the chicken shit. People will have to make lemonade out of the lemons. But a lot of young people don't know that concept yet. They're just supposed to be living their lives and going to the prom and trying to make a team or playing on the team. And and that, I do feel bad for kids because and then they're going to Zoom school and Zoom bombing. A lot of Zoom bombing has been happening. Did, did your son tell you about Zoom bombing? Yeah, I think he's talked a little bit. We're still talking about Jeffrey's uh, Tubin in my home. Yes. Well, <laughs> Zoom bombing and Jeffrey Tubin are related. <laughs> You know, I, I'm putting my thumb over the camera here right now. You can't see me. I'm putting up a tissue over the camera here so you can't see it. But, yeah, the whole Zoom world and all of that, it's just crazy. And, and I, Well, I, just so that in case the listener doesn't know, Zoom bombing is when, when you think about school. It's boys especially. It's boys that do this stuff. When they drop in some porn or drop into a class that they're not even into in another school they don't even go to, you know, or maybe drop in a little porn or a racial bomb and then – Head out. So, you know, that's, uh, God, you know, that's, that's boys and that's technology and that's the new reality for people who are going to Zoom school. Their classes are getting Zoom bombed, high school and college. It sucks. I would have been that kid, not with the racial slurs, but other shenanigans. The next time we podcast, we are going to do our election results recap. Right. I can't wait for this. I don't know what's going to happen. We like to do our podcast midweek. Right. Uh, election days on a Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. Maybe we'll have to wait for results to come in more than 24 to 48 hours. But that'll be our next one, Tom. And if you consider all the podcasts we did through the pandemic, the pandemic's not going away. We could have a new president or the same old guy for four <laughs> more years. Or we can all just camp out around the Supreme Court and just wait and see what happens for the rest of the month of November. Boom. Good. Hi. Enjoy. Good job. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.